So I have with me today Moira Gorski. She is a retired nurse and now she just really supports uh, women in mind, body, and spirit. She is on this mission to really make women know that they do not have to be the victim of their circumstances and she wants to connect them to their voice. And really, she's a wellness advocate. She's a podcaster and uh, she's an incredible mom. And so she's here with me today talking about eating disorders because she has um, gone through the recovery process of this herself. And she has um, a daughter in her podcast where she talks about um, just the, the chaos of recovery, juggling the chaos of recovery is the name of her podcast. And um, she's really had a lot of experience here. And so she is just doing such incredible work with bringing awareness to this just like awful, awful insidious addiction. And so I have her on today to go along with this eating disorder awareness week and really share her story and, and share the nuggets of wisdom that she's gained throughout the years. So thank you so much for, for being on and taking the time. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a thrill to be here. Yeah. So let's just jump right on in. If you want to start with your story and whatever kind of comes to you organically to, to share and just the evolution of everything that happened. For sure. You. Yeah. I feel like my story is, um, <clears throat> well, I, I feel like it's a short one, but then I think of others that I interview and I tell them not to dismiss if it's a small story or a big story or anything. So, um, you know, I'm, when I was in, you know, when I was in college, I just started to have some struggles. You know, I was raised in a great, wonderful home and um, with wonderful parents and three other siblings. And, but I found myself when I went to college, I just had, I just had a hard time, I guess, being on my own and making those decisions. And, you know, just, it was a, you know, it was a great academic school and I just felt pressure for, you know, to do well academically. I felt pressure from, you know, this guy that I met that I was dating and felt pressure from my friends, you know, that they wanted me to do things that I wasn't comfortable with. And so, you know, I started to control what I could control. I felt a bit out of control in those other areas. And as I, you know, learned later on, that's where eating disorders start to begin is that you start to, you feel out of control in your life. And I did, even though I wasn't, you know, really, you know, manic, crazy kind of thing, but I just felt like I didn't, and I didn't know how to really speak up for myself and have that self-confidence. And so I started to control what I eat or what I ate or what I didn't want to eat and stuff like that. And um, it did take me into a couple of years of just, again, disordered eating, losing weight, um, just really, I remember having headaches and stomach aches and um, struggles with academics because of that. Um, but, um, you know, thankfully, I had some good friends that I had met in college, and they saw my struggles, they saw my weight loss. Um, I remember I got real sick, I got mono my first year of college, and, but they saw the struggles, and they encouraged me to go talk to somebody, and, you know, the college I went to had a free, you know, as many do, they have a counseling service, and it was free to go see someone, and, you know, I was in nursing school, and so, you know, I was like, okay, I'll go and talk to somebody, and and I was like, okay, I know the questions she's going to ask me and all that kind of stuff. You know, I was just not so much I was in denial, but I was just like, I don't know. I think I was really kind of lost and confused. And so, um, 
so I did go to talk to somebody and it really started to help me, um, you know, learn about what was going on and get some support. And, you know, I feel like it was so long ago, which it was, I mean, I'm 57 years old and, you know, again, it's a small, I feel like it's a bit of a small story in that, you know, I was able to, as I went on and I graduated and I went into my career in nursing and then into medical sales, you know, I felt more confident in myself and in my life. And so things got better. I didn't, you know, I had some counseling. Um, I read some books and things like that. I didn't have to go into treatment or whatnot, but um, you know, that was that. And now that I'm, you know, many years later, I feel like, as I think we've talked about, you know, there can be this, you know, you get better, but it's also then a continuum of life. And I feel like I've learned so much about myself and like why I did those things back in college and um, just learned so much as I've gotten older. And there's been other times that things have come up that have like triggered this thought about, again, not feeling good about myself or um, not feeling good about my body or like, the whole scale mentality and stuff like that. Other things have been triggered and brought up. And so I've had to, and I've worked through those at the time and stuff like that. So um, again, as I work, talk with others and I hear that, and I see that with my daughter, like we want things to be over and sometimes they can seemingly be over, but it's just as life continues on, there's other times that things come up that again, at least for me, it wasn't super, super bad or as bad as it was in college, but there were other times that things got triggered that just, um, you know, I had to kind of revisit those, some of those thoughts that um, I had had back in college and, you know, kind of deal with it then. And um, so, yeah, again, that's, that's, you know, that's my story. And then about, um, about six years ago. So I've, I do, as you said, I'm a mom. I have four children between the ages of 25 and 17. And our daughter, who's 22 now, about six years ago, she started to struggle herself um, in high school. And, um, you know, as we started to discover that and started to get her some support, it really was something that took me back again, too, and um, or set me back to a point like when I thought, when I saw that my seemingly my past was repeating itself in front of my face with one of my children, it was a pain that I really, I'd never felt before. And um, it took a lot of processing. I mean, I went to a counselor to work through that because I'm like, I, you know, cause someone said, are you triggered, you know, by your daughter's eating disorder? And I was like, well, I'm not triggered to do that again, you know, to restrict and to, take Excedrin every day to get rid of the headaches that were probably due to the fact that I wasn't eating, those kind of things. But I was really triggered emotionally, you know, and um, had to go, you know, I needed to go and process through that and like what that meant. And as my counselor said to me, you know, when you have pain come up, it's like that pain is trying to teach you something, you know, and that there's something there to look at and to be seen and to work through. And that certainly really, it really helped me at the time. Yeah. Wow. I can't even imagine what that would have been like. Um, thank you for sharing your mm -hmm. story and all of that. Um, I'm wondering, how did you begin recognizing that your daughter was kind of starting to go down the same path as you? Well, 
you know, she, um, she was always, she's always a happy, smiley kid and just so everybody loved her dynamic involved in lots of things with school. And, um, but, um, you know, I started to notice in her sophomore year in, in high school, she did start to lose some weight. And I remember specifically, um, a day that, uh, like we used to go to yoga together. We did so many things together. And, um, I remember we were going to go to a yoga class at the end of like after school one day. And so she came home and went up and changed and came down downstairs and I did a double take. I was like, wow, like you've lost a lot of weight, you know? And it just kind of was like, Oh no, no, you know, it's fine, whatever. And then let's go to yoga kind of thing. And, um, then I do remember my, so my, one of my sons who was in high school with her at the time, he came home and he said something. He goes, you know, one of my friends, mom said, like, asked me about Anna and like, does she eat? Because I see her at lunch and she only eats an apple or things like that. And so that was like, I believe that there's like these little things that sometimes, at least for me, when I look back on it, they were like these little signs here and there. Um, She had, she had lost a little weight over the summer um, and it was mainly due to like before her sophomore year, but it was mainly due to the fact that she was starting to realize that she had some issues with dairy. And so she was cutting dairy out and she was making some changes in her diet so that she could feel better because she had some issues with that. And as a result of that, she lost a little weight and it was nothing to be alarmed about at all. And we talked about it a little bit and talked about healthy choices and things like that. And that was fine. But again, as the fall went on, there was more weight loss and, you know, the, the thing about uh, my son's friend and, and then really the time I was out with, um, I had taken my youngest son and Anna out to dinner. Um, my son, my husband was out of town with, uh, one of our other uh, sons for a hockey tournament and we were out to dinner and eating at a Chinese type of restaurant. And I just, I caught her. I mean, I caught her through my eye, like kind of playing with her food and kind of moving it around on the plate and like making believe that she was eating, but she wasn't really. And it just was like, Oh, I recognize that behavior. And it just, again, took me so by surprise. I'm like, what? Like, that's not, no, 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 no. So again, remember it so distinctly to this day. And so we came home, I put my youngest, you know, youngest son to bed and uh, went into her room and she was in the bathroom and I picked up her phone. And at the time it was a phone that, you know, you could see messages, didn't have to have password and stuff like this, that, and I happened to pick up a conversation that she was having with another girl. And there were this back and forth of, yeah, I didn't want to go out to dinner tonight, but you know, I had to, and oh, I didn't have this, you know, and I wanted to work out or like all this conversation that was like, again, eating disorder conversation. And it just was so like, again, so like shocking. I'm like, what? Like I'm sitting in the room of my daughter who has index cards that she's filled out that have inspirational sayings that are all over her room. And there are pictures of her smiling with her friends and her bandmates and her schoolmates and her, you know, all that. Like, this is a positive girl that radiates that positivity. And she was struggling. And so I remember her coming, you know, back in from the bathroom and I, you know, I just confronted her about it and said, what's going on? And um, we had a lovely moment of connection and it was almost like, 
it was almost like she was happy that I found out because I think you know that these eating disorders are a very secretive disorder and she had been harboring the secret, if you will, for a little while yet. And um, this was her sophomore year in college and it turns out she had struggles. I mean, there were some struggles for the last many years um, prior to that, that she hadn't shared with me or shared with us or felt comfortable with that. And so it was almost like, oh, okay, you can, you found out. And so she, you know, could kind of take a breath and and whatnot. Um, So again, that was, you know, that's really how I discovered it. It's, um, I mean, six years later, we're in the, we're still in the midst of it. But um, again, that was, it was such a, again, such a shock. But um, again, that's how I, how I found out that you know, what, where the struggles were and we're able to just start that conversation with her about it. Yeah. Wow. Um, thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, um, in, in the conversations that you've had with other people about how either they found out someone in their life has an eating disorder or they themselves realized that they had an eating disorder, have you noticed any patterns talking with people about just kind of, I don't know, like how, I think, I, I guess where I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is that for me, this, this was a very insidious thing for me. Like I didn't realize it for years that I was even doing this because I wasn't like, I just, I was in denial. I mean, I was in denial, but it also just wasn't a, um, I don't know. It's like, I was just like, no, like, that's not me. That's not me. That's not me. And then it was just like, I'm dropping a ton of weight and it's like, whoa, I'm not eating. Like, this is me, you know, like I do have this problem. And I guess I'm just wondering, you know, for listeners, if they're either questioning, you know, if, if they're having an eating disorder or if they know someone in their life, like, is there just any, um, just anything that comes to mind for you when I ask about other people's stories and, and maybe kind of things to look for. Yeah. The comment, there are, there are definitely some common threads. And I think like what you said, and I know that I have you on my podcast too, and you shared about that denial. I think there's a lot of that. I know that there's a lot of that within people who, um, who are struggling. And I even remember that in college. I'm like, Oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And, you know, trust me, when I look back at pictures, like I, you know, it's like, okay, you know, there was definitely an issue there. And there's a lot, there is a lot of denial. Um, There's a lot of, until they're ready to get better, they're just, it doesn't matter what anybody else does or says until they're ready, which again, is a big struggle for those that sit on the other side of it to go, why wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't you want to do this? Why wouldn't you do this? And, um, and um, so I think there's definitely that, you know, I've found that there's a lot of, um, it happens, seems to happen a lot when there is this loss of identity. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody has something that perhaps has consumed their life, if you will, like, like I've interviewed a lot of athletes um, who, for some reason, you know, like they got injured and then they couldn't do this competitive dance or this competitive ice skating, or um, I have someone else who um, she, her parents moved, they moved across country because for the father and she couldn't um, do what she was, um, you know, doing back here in the States over there. So she just lost that. 
And it's like, well, who am I if I don't have this thing to bring me my identity and to bring attention and stuff like that? And so when you lose that identity, again, is people may be listening going, yeah, but that's like, how could that happen? It's very true. Like you just, you grab onto something again that you feel like you can control. Um, and sometimes it's, um, well, you'd grab onto things that you can control and you use that to kind of numb out those feelings that you're feeling. You know, if it's that loss of <clears throat> your ice skating career or that loss of your best friend who moved away or the loss of your parent or whatever that case is, there's just so much of that identity wrapped around our identity. And then what happens is then you form this identity with an eating disorder, which is the most fatal of any, you know, mental health disorder. And I want people to hear that because it's so, so serious. And it's really not about the food. You know, it's about, um, you know, then it, it's about you then create this identity with this eating disorder, which, you know, people will call us, you know, they'll have you name it like it's a person. And it, I feel like it, it is. I mean, I feel like it's the work of the devil and, you know, not the work of the God that I believe. So, but that's a, you know, discussion for another time, but um, it, the, it creates this identity in the person and then, and it just takes a stronghold, kind of like that identity of, again, being an ice skater or a dancer or something like that. And then it's just so hard for them to, to give it up. Like, well, who am I if I don't have this? Just like, who am I if I don't have my swimming career or my dance career and things like that? And um, again, it's really hard for the outsiders, I believe, to understand that. Because it's like, you know, um, it just doesn't make sense. A lot of this doesn't make sense. Um, but, um, you know, those are certainly some common, common things that I've, I've heard. And what I love to share on my podcast is that there's hope and there is hope for recovery. And it is in every path, every person's path is different. It's not one treatment fits all, one therapy fits all, unfortunately. Again, we've learned that the hard way as we've you know, struggled to find the right um, treatment for our daughter that will really help her thrive. But it's just, there is, and that's a big reason why I started this podcast is, is to shed light on the struggle of someone like me, like a mom who sits on the other side of things, but also to share that story of hope. Because you know, you're a beautiful story of recovery, even though your, your path has been up and down and, and, um, and continues to go on. But there are, there is hope. And I want people to know that, that there is hope in recovery. And it, and it, um, you know, again, it, it's, it's possible. Um, and um, I don't know, we, we could talk a lot, but I just <laughs> I want to end the thought there just that, again, that, that recovery is possible. Um, again, regardless of how it started and regardless of all of these common themes, because it's certainly a theme that I, I mean, I have shared some wonderful stories of recovery that have brought me to tears, like, wow, down in the depths of hell. And then they found their way, you know, to redemption and, um, and freedom. So there's definitely, um, definitely that in the future for, you know, those that struggle too. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious, would you mind sharing a little bit about what it's been like with your daughter going through the process of recovery? I mean, maybe just some things about like what she's experienced and then also like you as well, just being mm -hmm. someone supporting her. 
Yeah, sure. I, um, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey and, um, you know, I can't, I, I want to leave her story to be shared by her. Um, I can just kind of observe what's gone on um, and, um, you know, kind of from my perspective, but I've tried to really, um, I've really had to, again, separate myself out from, I mean, I'm a, a mom, I'm a nurse, I'm a nurturer. And so I just, when this started to happen, I just was like, okay, we are going to, we're going to work on this together and we're going to figure this out. And albeit that's really good when you have people that support you. I learned that again, this is her journey. And one of the most insightful things that I heard at a support group that I went to with her at one of the treatment centers, they had like, um, like a, I don't know what they called it, like a family night or family support night or something like that, where they would have speakers um, come in and, you know, the parents and the kids were there. And so there was a, a gal who had been a previous patient of the treatment facility and then her mother came in and they both spoke. And what, my, what the mother said just has stuck with me to this day. She said, these are the three things that I learned through this journey. She said, I needed to get off the roller coaster like this is her journey. Like I can be next to her, you know, in an, in another car or something like that, but it's her journey. It's her roller coaster. And I needed to get off that roller coaster. She said, I needed to learn as much as I could. Cause I didn't know my, her, you know, my husband and I didn't know anything about eating disorders and these struggles. So we started to learn and we went to like support groups, like NAMI support groups. And I read books and things like that. That's what she said was her second thing. And the third thing, she said, I got help for myself. And it's so, I mean, I, w I remember, again, remember those that to the day because I am in a you know, wellness business and I have a team and I can earn, you know, I earn money, but I earn trips and things like that. And I would, had earned a trip and I was considering not going um, because I was like, I can't leave my daughter, you know? And and I, you know what? I went on the trip because I, but I set, you know, I didn't leave just willy nilly. I, you know, I had things set up. She had her treatment, whatever time she was at. I was like, she has what she needs. And it's not, even if I'm in Cabo or if I'm in Illinois, it's up to her to do, to do what she needs to do. And so um, that was a big you know, that was a big turning point for me. I did notice that my health, like I noticed the impact of stress because this is an extremely, when you have anybody in your life that you love that's struggling, um, it's so stressful, so stressful to watch it. And again, I feel out of, I feel helpless and powerless. And so, you know, I started to feel the impact of stress on me in my, on my health. And, um, you know, I started to have other, you know, health issues and whatnot in regards to, you know, aging and menopause and sleep and anxiety and stuff like that. And again, thankfully, like I said, in college, it happened. It happened again that my friend said, you know, you need to start taking care of yourself and you need to start putting yourself first. And I got to tell you, that was one of the hardest things for me to do and to realize that that was okay to do. And I want the moms and the dads and the friends to hear that and the boyfriends and the girlfriends is that it's not selfish to take care of yourself and it may feel so uncomfortable but i started to go <clears throat> to different like self-help you know meetings and i went to different like alternative like energy clearings and meditations and 
retreats and things like that to start to take care of myself. And it, and it was, yes, it was uncomfortable to begin with, but it's been so freeing. I mean, my health improved. I feel great today. And even some people are like, how can you feel great when this is still happening? I'm like, because I've learned that, you know, we've heard it, right? When you're on the airplane, if it starts to crash, you got to put your oxygen mask on first. We've heard it all. And I lived that. I realized that I had to put my oxygen mask on, which meant learning about meditation, learning about mindfulness, learning about how nutrition is so key. <clears throat> I mean, when you watch a child of yours being malnourished, I mean, you learn it firsthand, but it's key for me is that nutrition is key for me. Prayer, again, putting myself first. And I feel like as parents, we're, we're these bumpers that <clears throat> our kids can bump up against. You know, like we're the stronghold and they can bump up, you know, they have some, maybe they have struggles and stuff like that, but we're here to be that living example of what we need to do, like what you need to do to take care of yourself and live your best life and struggle and be good and, you know, all of that stuff. But we're, we're that bumper that they can bump up against. We need to be that example, but it, and it starts with taking care of us first. So that's really, <clears throat> that's what I learned. And I really I just continue to share that message that we have to, you know, I got posters over there that talk about, you know, like all this stuff that I went through and I still do it today. Even this morning I got up before we got on today. I had my meditation time and my journaling time um, because I knew I had a busy day and I know that I show up better for whoever, be it my daughter, my job, my podcast, my friends, whatever. <clears throat> I show up better when I take care of, you know, put myself first and take care of myself. Yeah, I hope that's what you asked. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, lot that of stuff. Was, that was amazing. I think I'm I'm so happy that you shared that because it's so it's so important to put yourself first, even when it feels like the selfish thing to do. And that's a lot that I do with women as well, where it's like they're like, give, let me give, 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 give. And then they're wondering why they feel like crap. And I'm like, let's take care of you. Let's bring that energy. Let's bring that in. So I'm so happy that you shared that. Um, so I'm wondering if I can just ask a little, a little bit about when you first did that transition, like when you first started out, you, you mentioned how it felt uncomfortable. Because um, the way that I think of it, it's kind of like a rocket ship that needs to like break the gravitational pull before it can kind of soar. It's like it's so hard at the beginning of anything. And I guess I just, I'm, I'm curious if you wouldn't mind sharing just a little bit about what that first initial, like you putting yourself first experience was. Sure. You know, I was at a, um, again, a self helps leadership, whatever kind of, you know, we, uh, weekend type of thing. Um, it's actually called pathways for successful living. And we do some very interesting, and it's like intensive, almost like if you've heard of, like those Tony Robbins weekends where you go and you're there from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. I mean, it was the same kind of thing. Um, and um, what happened is, you know, my um, I had brought one of my sons to this <clears throat> who was struggling because, you know, I thought that he needed this. And then the, the gal who runs the program said, why don't you come with too? Because, you know, as he's learning new ways to take care of himself and, you know, himself, then... Um, you know, you'll be speaking the same language. Great. So I'll be there. So we both went to this weekend and um, went through the first day. And then the second day, 
even though we were staying in the same hotel room, I went and, you know, got up and I was ready and went into the room and he never came into the room and somebody came and got me and said, you know, do you know who your son is? And so, and he was struggling to come in and like participate in this program. And it, um, and so I got some, I, some people said, would we, you like, would you like us to help you? And I'm like, well, I don't know how you can get him out of the room. And so they started to help me and try to help me and help my son come in and participate. And he refused to do that. And so the woman who, who runs the program said to me, well, if I were you, if this was me, I would go in there and say, you know what, you have two choices. You can go home or you can come in. But being right here and like swallowing and whatever in the hotel room, no, you're not going to do that. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. And so she's, you know, encouraged me. I went into the room. I did said that to my son and my son packed his stuff up and he had some pretty choice words to say to me. And, um, and he went home and I went back into that room and they were participating. They were doing this kind of exercise that I had that, you know, that I had to do something on my own in front of everybody and be vulnerable. And, you know, I'll share you, spare you all the details, <clears throat> but that's basically what, and I was so emotionally like torn up inside. Cause that was such a tough morning for me and what I needed to do and what I did do. And I walked in and it still gives me chills. And I think about it. And so these people were going ahead and they were doing this in front of the whole crowd. And I, you know, it's everybody's going and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's my turn. It's my turn. And I'm like, I don't think I could do this. And I turned to the woman next to me who I was starting to get to know. Cause this was the second day. And I said, I don't think I can do this on my own. Can you help me? She goes, of course I can. And she took my hand and we went and did the thing. And I got to tell you, Sarah, it was an epiphany. Like I took the microphone after that exercise and I said, I get it. I have not asked for help. I have not known how to ask for help. And I realized today that it's okay to ask for help. And it was this huge awakening, like, because I, as I reflected on that and worked through it for the rest of the weekend, like I was raised by a very strong stoic woman and she just did it all. And even through the turmoil of life and raising four kids, she just was always strong. This is what the, you know, and I wasn't shown that it's okay to be vulnerable and that it's okay to ask for support. And because well, and I call it support now, but it's not okay to ask for help because when I thought about help, I thought of like I was incapable, right? And I wasn't that strong woman. And so I can't ask for help. I can't help, you know, I can do it. I can just motor through. And so I realized that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay and, and help can be, um, or support, and I moved it to support. Support can mean, you know what? And calling a girlfriend and saying, can you just talk to me? Or, hey, let's go for a walk. Or, you know what, family? I'm going to a yoga class and you guys are on your own for dinner because I need this for myself and I'll see you in a couple hours, whatever. Or I'm going to get a massage or whatever. Those are all, I started to realize that that's, again, about taking care of myself. But it was about that, I, that it was okay to ask for help. And it was a huge, again, still never forget that day. It was a huge epiphany. And so from then on, it was like, Okay, so asking for help or whatever, that's putting yourself, that's putting me first and being okay with taking care of me. And really from that point on, it was just, it's been, it's been probably three years from that, since that, that day in that room. Um, and it, 
you know, it was, if you, you know, the, now I'm much older than you, but if you remember Whitney Houston, um, I mean, Whitney Houston had a, had a song, has a song, uh, The Greatest Love of All is Happening to Me. And that was like, if you listen to that song, it was about, you know, at the end of the day, you got to love yourself because there's nobody. I mean, at the end of the day, what do you have? You have you. And so you better love yourself. And it was kind of like my theme song for the weekend. <laughs> and, um, but um, that was really the, that was really that turning point that really, you know, turned me around in that aha moment, as they say, like, okay okay so that's that's pretty cool yeah that's such a powerful and beautiful story i almost started crying when you were telling it i'm just like oh my gosh because that's something that i struggle with as well it's like asking for that help but i love how you changed it to support that feels better for me too because Mm -hmm. i think i had the same mindset where it's like if i'm asking for help that means that something's wrong with me that i can't figure this out so i yeah yeah. yeah. And even I've, you know, I just remember like a month or so ago when things were, um, again, our daughter was leaving a program and wanted to come home. And it was just, it was such a tough time to try to figure out all these things. And I, and I'd been on the fo- phone a couple of times with her therapy team and her, and I just was getting so, so dysregulated as they would say, right? That's one of those words we use a lot, but just so emotional and so like, and I finally, like the third third conversation, I go, you know what? I've got to get off the phone. I can't do this anymore. And you're going to need to call your father and you got to talk to him because I can't do this anymore. And I, you know, I, I texted my husband and I said, talk to your daughter. And um, he ended up calling me and I was, you know, upset and I was crying and I said, I can't, I need your help here. I really need your help. And I was so blessed that he stepped up and he helped me and it was, and he took care of talking to her and doing what they needed to do. It was just so, and it was just like, I was like, okay, be kind to yourself. And we were like, look what you did. You asked for help and it was okay. And I didn't do that before. I handled this all myself. And, um, and I think that I want people to hear that some of these people that are in your life that love you, they're just waiting for you to ask them to help, you know, and they're, sometimes they're not going to come forward and help because they're like, Oh, look at, she's doing it all. Or I can't, you know, but my husband has said that he goes, I'll help. You just have to tell me what you need, you know? So people are waiting to help you. It just, and so I want to encourage people to just, you know, it's so they're waiting. And so all you have to do is ask. Um, be brave enough to ask for that help and um, and they'll be there to to step up. Yeah, that's such a key point. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy that you said that. I, th- I think of that often where I think for a long time, I made a lot of assumptions that I just had to do all these things by myself and that other people were too busy or they're, you know, they got their own problems. They don't, they don't have energy for me. And it's like when I did start reaching out about my own eating disorder and like asking for, for support from girlfriends, it's like, they, they were like there for me in a second and they wanted to hear all about it. And they, they weren't, cause I think often what also holds people back is that we get worried that people just are going to tell us what to do and try to like fix everything when it's like, we just need, like, we're not even ready for that yet. Like we just need to let it all out and we need to just kind of be held in that space and like share and just have, have someone hold us there. 
Yeah. And I, I've learned that as a mom too, to just is to do more of that than cause I was, you know, I've done a lot of that, like, Oh, I here, let's do this, try this. Oh. And I meet somebody and like, Oh, you should talk to my daughter. You know, it's like all of this stuff. And um, it was, it was interesting. One of the gals that I interviewed one time, she said that she said that, Oh yeah, my mom used to do all this. And then I just told her, you know what? I just need you to hear me and to see me and to, you know, like you said, to hold you to hold. I love to use the, the image of just holding space, like just, okay, we're going to hold space for you to just be here and us to just listen together. And um, for me to listen to you and just kind of say and validate you and go, well, that kind of sucks. That sucks. And you know what? Okay. I'm here. I love you. You know, if I can do anything that, but just not, um, I've done that way too much of like, like you said, we just want to fix things. We just want it's And it comes out of that love, right? That we just want to help those that we love as much as we can. But sometimes it really is, that's not what you need. You just need somebody to, to hold you there. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So before I ask you this one last question, um, if people are really like resonating with everything that you're saying and they're like, oh my gosh, I need to find this woman and be friends with her, where's the best place for them to, to find you? Yeah, well, I am on all the social media channels um, and just, you know, spell my name the right way, um, you know, with M-O-Y-R-A, Moira Gorski. So I'm on Facebook. Um, I do have a Juggling the Chaos um, of Recovery page there, although I'm changing things. So, but just try to find me again. I'm Green Gorski on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn um, and Facebook. And um, those are the only social media channels that I'm on um, at this point. You certainly can find me at gorskywellness.com. I do have a website there and you can connect with me or simply, you know, send me a moira at gorskywellness.com. I do love to I do love to connect with people. I think you know that about me. I've loved our connection and how we were brought together. And um, again, I'm just, you, you know, you can um, just feel free to connect with me, even if you just want to hop on the phone with me and say, you know what, I don't know, can you help me? I mean, I have a lot of resources. I have lots of, um, lots of experience. And I mean, if you have a story to share, I'd love to share that on my podcast. Again, if you need help, like I, like you said earlier, in mind, body, and spirit, with your nutrition, with your meditation, I'm creating some different things and I may have them out already now that this will come out in March. I am starting to create some things, just some other resources that people can tap into in regards to that mindfulness and support and stuff like that. But um, yes, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, I'll give all that to you so you have it on the show notes, but um yeah. Please I'll, connect. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely put it in the show notes. And yes, like Moira, she's, she's so amazing to connect with. Like we met at a yoga, it was like an outdoor yoga event. And then we were just kind of chit-chatting afterwards and you're like, let's go get some coffee or tea together. And we met up and we like sat and talked for a while. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. you're a super easy and inviting person to talk to. So well, if you're, you. if you are thinking about it, listeners, to reaching out to her, definitely do it. Um, Okay, so this last question, what is like the number one big takeaway that you want every single woman to know? Well, it really gets back to that, um, you know, that loving yourself, you know, taking care of yourself and that, um, you know, and that that you... (laughs) 
and it may be things that you've heard before, but I think it's worth repeating. I mean, that you are enough and you are okay. And it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what your, your past was. It doesn't matter if there's scars, if there's, you know, mistakes and things like that, that you are enough just the way you are. Um, and really the, the, um, I think what's so important is again, for women <clears throat> to know that and to, to feel that and to, um, and if they, and if they need, I don't know, if they need help believing that, like finding a tribe of women, a tribe, I call it a tribe because I have a tribe of women and they're not, you know, that's not a huge tribe, but I have a tribe of women that I found along the way that are my, that, that do that kind of like what we we're talking about. They hold space for me to be me and to be vulnerable and to be pissed and to be happy and sad and everything. And to really, and they encourage me and they call me out on my bullshit and they do all of that stuff, but they like, they are, they're my people. And it's so, and it's, and I, and it's just so important to have that. And so if women, I encourage them again to, to love yourself and know that you are okay, just the way you are. Um, and try to find some other people that are on that like minded path of yours that can be, that can be there by your side that you can call for support. You can call for help. You can call like, let's go for a walk. You know, I've solved a lot of world problems, you know, going for a walk with my friends um, or going away on a trip with them or something like that. So I think that's what I want people to hear that again, it's, everything's okay. It's taken me a long time to be able to say that, but everything in life <clears throat> happens for a reason. There are certainly no coincidences in life. That's what I believe. There's so much divine intervention, but if we slow down enough to listen, to listen to what we need and to give ourselves the love that we deserve, then we can have a, you know, a really blessed life. Yes. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so, so much for joining me today and for, for, yeah, just taking the time out of your busy day to be here. I really greatly so appreciate you. so great to be you. here. Yeah.